How many of you have seen, some of you may have seen him actually do it in person, which would be really amazing. I want to do it one day. Seen one of these guys take one of these giant tree stumps and then take the chainsaw, right? And they just start hacking on it. So this morning, as I was uh, finishing up my notes, Charlotte came down a little early, and she's asking me, what does that mean, grab your chainsaw? Uh, and so I, I showed her a video uh, of a guy doing it, and the guy took a giant, giant log, and then we fast-forwarded, and he made it into a dragon. And I was like, whoa, here's this, this giant log, and then it comes to life, right? He brings life. These guys that are artists can bring life out of sculptures, and they, you know, like David and um, all the other works of Michelangelo, they're just, they're just artistry that, that highlights the creativity of God, you know, just like God was a creator. Well, John does that with his words, right? Nick and Peter have shared with us about these three tests that John wants to highlight and he wants to use uh, throughout uh, the, the text of 1 John and even into 2 and 3 John. And he says that, you know, the doctrinal test it's one side of the log, right? He starts making a cut. And this doctrinal test is, is how you think. It's, it's your thoughts and how they matter in your life. And then he, he moves on and he says, here's the relational test. And it's, it's how you love. Are you connecting with other people? Are you intentional with your life towards others? Right? So those are, those are your feelings. And then he takes another swap and he, turn, you know, he goes around the other side of the log and he Takes another big swap and he says, here's the moral test, right? Are you obeying? Is what you know and what you feel affecting how you act, right? So me and Charlotte, we're, we're, at, we're talking about this this morning. And I said, Charlotte, where's our thinker? Where is it? That's right. It's up. And where's our feeler? In our heart, right? So that's heart of our emotions. And then what do we, how do we act? What do we act with? Our hands, right? What do we do? Our feet, right? What are our lives about? So this is, this is the message that John wants to continue to create um, as, he, as he goes throughout the chapters in 1 John. And in chapter 4, he's really, really focused on this love side. He really has some details that he wants to cut in to the log. And so we want to we get a, a better picture of what he's saying. So this morning, we're going to read uh, in chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. We want to ask a lot of questions of the text this morning. We want to, to really turn it, tweak it, say, hey, how did he, how did he get there? Where, where did he come at with, uh, with that cut in the log? So question number one, what effect does verse 11 say 
and the whole passage, really, the love of God has on us. Effect number one. Ever since the fall we, that we read about in Genesis 3, our sin natures have engaged our needs, our wants, and our weaknesses and have turned them in upon ourselves so that we would long to fill those needs and wants and, and we'd want to make them something that is uh, the most important part of our life. I've got to have it. I've got to have it. I've got to have it. If I don't have it, it, it crushes me, right? Or our weaknesses. We'll either overcompensate for them or we'll undercompensate for them. And, and we'll, we'll swing between this pendulum back and forth, back and forth, just so we can hide them. So nobody thinks that we're weak. Nobody thinks that we're dependent people. So it, it is the way of sin to make us slaves of self-absorption. We use love or power or praise to get self-glorification from anywhere. And we make ourselves or we make others into gods. And yet, each time we do that, those gods keep failing us. This is the meaning that that Paul carries in uh, Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10. He says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world. You're doing it just like everybody else, right? You're all in the same boat. You're all making idols out of yourselves and others. Following the prince, the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind, right? We're all in the same boat. Everybody's there. These, these two words I have, I have found throughout the scriptures to be two of the sweetest words put together ever for the English, English language, but God, right? This is, this is the gospel, but God over and over again, no matter if it's, if Adam and Eve hiding in the garden, it's Cain getting mad at himself and his brother, um, it's over and over again. It's, it's Noah, it's, it's Abraham, it's, it's uh, goofy Jacob, um, over and over again. But God, right? Over in Israel, all through their, their history. But God, but God, being rich in mercy because of the, the great love which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that, here's the purpose. In the coming ages, we might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Once again, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It's a gift of of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship. We're the log. He's cutting us around, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He's given us a task. He's freed us, 
right? From the, the tyranny of ourselves so that we have a purpose, so we can love, so that we can walk humbly, so that we can be the aroma of Christ, right? The, that Keith has been sharing with us. So in the love of God, we find freedom from the bondage of selfishness. And with that freedom comes rest. Come unto me, all you weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. It's a rest from from idolatry, rest from from finding um, our, our identity, our worth in other things instead of beings created in the image of God that fall and have a fallen nature that God must come and save. And he's done it. And by sending his son, he has drawn us to himself. So here we are making all of these um, idols, right? Um, I think it was John Calvin that said that our hearts are like idol factories, right? We're on the assembly line. If, if you take one away, here comes the next one. We'll, we'll make an idol out of anything. It doesn't have to be um, my, my children are great teachers of theology. They don't realize it yet, but they teach me well day in and day out, that any toy that comes into our house can be made into an idol, right? It doesn't have to be a toy. It can be a piece of paper. So it, it, it is, and, and look, it's, I, I see it in them because it's true in me, right? It's, it's, it's aware. They make, they make me more aware. I see the mirror, right? I see the mirror of them, and I say, oh, yeah, I do that. My, my, just, my toys are bigger, you know, my responsibilities, my, my equipment at work, whatever it is. Those, those things are, are my idols. Um, so they're just a great example of what's going on. But how do we deal with these idols? You know, what, what's the process? And Thomas Chalmers helps us, and he says, The only way to dispossess the heart of an old affection is by the expulsive power of of a new one. We have to blow that thing out of there and replace it with a new love. And that is Christ and his work. And then John wants to say, okay, it, it's Christ in you, but it's also, you know, these elements of Christ in you, this love, this light, right? This truth that you believe, this, this knowledge that you have that affects the way you walk and the way you act, the way you live life. We must, by the power of the Holy Spirit, cultivate our hearts. We allow him to take the roots of our idols out, plant in new affections for King Jesus, and teach us how to think and feel and act according to his ways. Question number two. What's the importance of the statement in verse 12 that no one has ever seen God? It says, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us And his love is perfected in us. So the point is that no one has ever seen God, right? What's the advantage of seeing? Right? What's that? Seeing. Seeing can be believing, right? So so seeing can give definition to a thought. You might have thought something was different in the room if the lights are out. Then when you turn the lights on and, and you realize it's just a chair, right? 
Or um, a lot of times at work, uh, my other guys will call me from a different site and they'll say, hey, uh, I got the situation. And uh, they start describing it to me and tell me, yeah, we gotta, how are we going to work this out? So the first thing I say is, send me a picture, right? Or can we video call? You know, can, can, you, can you show me what's going on, right? Why? Because I want to define what he's talking about. I want to see it for myself so I can put it into perspective. And if I can put it into perspective, more than likely we can work out a way to, to work the situation and come up with an answer or, or a solution. Or, or we kick it to somebody else who might be able to help us there too. So it gives us clarity, right? So John says that, that no one has seen God. Why? Because God can't be controlled. He can't be defined other than what the definitions that he's chosen to give us. This limited amount of information that we get. Because if he shared the whole deal, we can't handle it. It, it, It's impossible, right, to understand all that God is. One, he's he's eternal. Um, and, And two... Um, he is he is all of the alls that we know of his character. And so so we don't we don't get that that human sight of God. Because we'll make an idol out of it. Right. So what's what's one of the very first commandments he gives? Don't make an image of me. Don't do it. You're going to get it wrong. No matter how good you are. No matter how much of an artist you may be, you're going to get it wrong. You're not physically capable to make a representation of who I am in all that I am. You can't do it. You're going you're gonna to lose track. You're going to get stuck on love. You're going to get stuck on mercy. You're going to get stuck on one of these things. And it's not, it's not who I am. I'm, I'm, I'm so multifaceted. Um, and, and every part of me is incorporated into all of those other things as well, you're, you're going to get it wrong if you try, right? So, so the best way I can, I can explain the mystery is, is just to use Scripture. And Psalm 97.2 says, Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. And Deuteronomy 29.29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord. But... The things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do the words of the law. So, no one has ever seen God. But he didn't just stop there. Right? It's a semicolon in, in, in our English version, but it's a, it's a continuation of the thought. No one has ever seen God. In verse 12, when he goes on, it says, If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. How does that fit together, John? What, what are you talking about? You remember the first thing that, that Jesus says after he gives us the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount? Right? Blessed, 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 all these blessings. And he says, you are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Right? We, don't, we don't take that light and we don't cover it. You know, a, a city on a hill, it can't be hidden. Right? We are God's presence. We're the God that many people will experience 
right? It will come through us, through our lives, through our love of one another. It will represent God, and we will show God to them. Our spirit-filled love for one another are those good works that Jesus says that you would light, let your light shine before the world so that they may see your good works and give God glory. All right, it doesn't stop with us. It's not, we're not doing these things so that we can get the glory. Don't, don't, don't clog the, the conduit there. Um, it's not for us. The glory goes to God and the works that he's doing through us. So this is what John is saying, is that as, as we love one another, that we become the representation of God to the world. Right? John, uh, Jesus prayed it as well in his highly priestly prayer in John 17. He says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. What else does it mean to be one but love one another? Unity is love. Love is the bond of unity. So at this point, we notice that as John's doing his sculpture, right, he's, he's shaped some very large cuts on this love side and and it's becoming recognizable that he, he's got this shape of, a, of a, like a cartoon heart, right? You would see the, the regular drawing that you'd see for all these Valentine's cards, right? And, and he's taken that, that cartoon heart and he's started to shape it. And it's starting to look like it's a three-dimensional heart. And, and he's showing us the love is, is becoming clearer. You can see that, wait, he's got, a, he's got a heart there that he's trying to carve out with his words. So if no one has seen God and and if our love is a representation um, presenting God to the world, what does John say in verses 14 and 15 that we have seen, right? What What is the beginnings of our representation? He says, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world, right? So this mirrors verse 9 and, and verse 15. will mirror verse, verse 10 above. And, and when Paul discusses um, that the Father sent the Son, right? This is, this is the incarnation. And then he says to be the Savior, right? There's verse 10. That's, that's propitiation that he carries those two points together. The word Savior is also carrying a, a, a real... Um, it's one of those loaded words for John because he wants to bring... The power of the Old Testament. He wants it to, to fill your mind when you hear the word Savior. Right? He wants, he wants passages like Psalm 65 to say, By awesome deeds, your answer, you answer us with righteousness, O God, of our salvation. The hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas, the one who by his strength established the mountains, being girded with might, who stills the roaring seas, the roaring of their waves, the tumult of the peoples, so that those who dwell at the ends of the earth are in awe at your signs. You make the going out of the morning and the evening to shout 
for joy. The whole day long is a declaration, right, that this Savior is worthy to be praised. Going out in the morning, coming in the evening, every aspect of our lives is worship of this Savior. And then lastly, he says that the, the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world, right? And we don't want to get bogged down here, but, but we don't also want to limit, because John is intentional. He said it before, right? Most, most famous passage that most people can quote to you out in the world, John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Huh? So I think we, as, as, as intentional Christians, will not limit that word because God's saving act in sending Jesus has implications for all who have or do or will ever live. God loves every individual in that he sent his son such that if they would believe, they would be saved. And it's a valid offer. If you believe, you shall be saved. So in our presentation of the gospel, in our, in our confessing and testifying, we don't sell it short. We don't, we don't say, you know, my family members to mean a person. You know, we, don't, we don't put any qualifiers on who can and who can't receive it. Just said, whomever. If they would believe they'd be saved. It's good news because I was one of those people, right? My mom had to pray and, and, and cry and, and be torn up because of my life for years and years and years. And if, if she had just said, well, he's, he's definitely not Christian material, I'm, I'm giving up. But no, she took the promises, the Bible that says, your word will not return void, God. And she prayed it over and over and over again until his word didn't return void. Question number four. What does our seeing do when anchored to faith? Right? And in verse 15, he says it there. It, it testifies. John John has already said this before, right? In the first part of 1 John, the very beginning, he says, we have seen, we know this. Trust us, we were there. He's risen, he's alive, and we know it. We saw the miracles. We were standing there um, in the Mount of Transfiguration. We, all these aspects of Jesus' life, they're testifying. This is the truth. You can believe it. You can put your faith in what we've seen, so that your testimony is the same as ours. And that you experience, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the same work. And that work of faith comes into you, and you see the, the Gospels and their words, and they become alive to you. And you say it's real, right? I believe Peter's testimony is, is a lot like that. Um, the way he's communicated is that one day he's there, and, and it just it, it, the Holy Spirit opens his eyes to say, it's all true. And that's what he does for each of us. It's all true. And we humble ourselves there. So John has been shaping. He's, he's sculpting this log. And it's, it's not only this cartoon heart that it's got a, a 3D dimension to it. Right? As he's, he's worked it around. We realize that in these passages about love, that 
John is molded, he's sculpted, he's gotten his, his smaller saws out, and it's gone from a three-dimensional three-dimensional cartoon-looking heart to one that actually looks like a, a real human heart. It's got, the, it's got the shape of a real heart. And, and not only that, he's, he's made it so thin and, and carved it so well that if he were to blow air through it, Imagine if, if you saw a log sculptor that, that actually did that and he made a, a, you know, just a, a three-foot representation of a human heart and it was actually thin enough where it could, it could beat, it could flex and then come back. Flex and then come back with each one of the ventricles, how amazing that would be. We would be, we'd be tweeting it, we'd be texting it, we'd be doing whatever we can to get the communication. Now, have you seen this? Are you kidding? This guy's amazing. Well, that's what the gospel is. That's what love is for John. It's like, have you seen it? Do you, do you realize what it is? This is amazing. And he can't hold it in. He has to testify. He has to confess who Jesus is. But he hasn't just said, we, we shout it out. We don't just, just yell out the truths of who Christ is. Have you, have you noticed his pronouns? They're we. They're us. They're one another. I'm not sure one another's a pronoun. I'm going to get corrected on that. I know that now. Whatever. <laughs> oh, well, I'm getting it. It's in the text. I'm good. Um, but John includes each individual Christian, as does the Holy Spirit, and he plants them. He plants each one of us into a body into a fellowship, right? So we, we had the, the picture of the vine last week. Well, the reason why the branches can get together and talk is because they're all connected to the same vine. They're all in the same place. All right, I, can't, I can't put enough emphasis on this, right? Each one of you has gifts, right? Has, has a measure of grace that has been given to you by the Holy Spirit that I don't have. Each one of you has gifts, has a measure of grace that I don't have. Each one of you has a gift, a measure of grace that I don't have. And I have gifts and, and a measure of grace that you don't have. Why? Because we need each other. We have strengths. We have weaknesses. Right? We've walked through life. We've, we've seen how to not do it. Right? And we can carry that on and pass it on. So that they can, they can walk together with Christ, right? In a, in a way that's greater than us, right? If you see this, if you believe it, greater works than these. And this is Christ telling you this. They're going to be multiplied, these works that we do. Greater works than these you will do. All right hate to do this to y'all, but I am Pastor Peter's tutelage. So we've been talking about the three tests week in and week out, and it's time for a pop quiz. Each of you should have your notes in front of you. If you have a Bible, you're free to use it. Open book test. Honestly, just listen. And, and hear 
um, some questions that, that I think will help us gain assurance in our salvation. So we're going to start with a, a bonus question. I'm glad I printed two copies today, Miss Anna, because I think the printer ate one of my copies, one of my pages. Amen. So he's gone. He's running. He ran away. <laughs> All right, here he is. All right. Bonus question. Started our passage in, in verse 11. What's the first word of verse 11? Beloved. beloved. What did we say last week is the beloved? What's, what's the meaning? Remember? Close. <laughs> Beloving, right. <laughs> These are family matters, right? This is, this is a sign that we're in the family. It's like the, like the old branch pointing the young branches and saying, look at your stem. Look who you're connected to. Look what you're connected to. Understand the function of a stem. All right, so... That's the bonus question all you got right, so one point. Question number two. Actually, it's the actual first question beside the bonus question, but do you love hearing and reading and learning from God's Word? Does your heart sound like Psalm 119? Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I'm a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. You rebuke the insolent, accursed ones who wander from your commandments. Take away from me scorn and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. Okay? But when your ears, your eyes grow cold, when they, when they cool from that, that, that love that you have held in, in hearing and, and listening and reading the word, do you seek repentance from God? Do you humble yourself and say, God, my heart's growing cold. Your, your, the time and your word, it's, it's becoming routine or it's being neglected. Do you go after those things? Because this is the work of the Holy Spirit, right? He stirs us up so that we, like Mary, will do the important thing. And instead of our, our time and the word becoming service. And listen, us teachers, we have to, we have to battle this more than anybody. Because we could just be spending our time studying through and, and reading commentaries and, and trying to get the right words instead of having our time in the Word be fellowship with the one who loves our soul beyond other. Question number two without the bonus question. Do you long to love sacrificially? I did not ask, do you love perfectly? said, do you long to? Right? The question you should ask yourself is, do I know, right, that I'm loved perfectly? Not that I, I love perfectly, but that I am loved perfectly. Right? 
And because of that perfect love, the Holy Spirit makes me pliable. He makes me like that, that log sculpture heart. It's thin enough to be changed how it needs to be changed, to be made into the image of Christ. Is your love changing you in the areas that you're weak and loving? And we all have them. Are you committed to dealing with them? Are you committed to allowing and praying that the Holy Spirit will teach you how to walk in love in your weak areas? When you fail in one of these commitments to love, are you grieved? Do you seek forgiveness for your unloving attitude? Question three. Do you act according to right doctrine and sacrificial love? Are your thoughts and your feelings changing your actions? Are they more or more lining up with the scriptures and causing those around you to be curious about the reasons you act such a way? Or do they just see you fit right in and say the same things that they're saying? We can have a testimony, live a life um, that causes people to um, be curious about our lives, right? They would, they would ask a reason for the hope that resides in us. So are you testifying, confessing, and celebrating that Jesus is the Son of God, and therefore, He is Lord? He is the one who gains your worship. And does your heart ring out with, with revelation? Chapter 5, the picture that we get there, and verses 9 through 10. and says, and they sang a new song. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open the seals. For you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people from every tribe, every language every people and every nation and have made them into a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. Right? This, this salvation, right? This, this message that whosoever would believe that God would bring them into the kingdom and the family and our ears hearing because Jesus the good shepherd has said it and my sheep hear my voice and follow. Right? It's not just for then. It's for now. It affects our lives now. What's this, what's this teaching on prayer say? Right? Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth. Right now. Today. Let your kingdom explode in my heart and tear out those old affections, right? Let the worship of the king come in and change the way I think, the way I perceive a situation, that I could have somebody say the meanest, nastiest thing to me, and I hear the hurt behind it. I hear their need of a savior, and I'm willing to pray for them and, and commit them to prayer before God. And I don't hear it about myself, and I don't I don't seek to, to build up or, or honor myself in the situation. And my love is changing. And my, 
my affections and the things that I have affections for. And because my thinking and my feelings are changing, my actions change. So that's it. That's the test. It's, it's a test that will be echoed throughout the rest of our lives. We can continue to ask ourselves these questions. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, none of us will be per- perfect in them, but we can be perfectible. We can be changeable, right? Because God's love is perfected in us. And we can see the master creator, the master sculptor, change these hard wooden hearts to a work of art. Let's pray. Worthy are you, O Christ, to receive all glory, all honor, all praise, and all worship. For you were slain, and you purchased from tribes and tongues and peoples and nations the people before me today. By your blood, you drew them to yourself. You won their hearts. You triumphed over their idolatry so that they and me would worship you trust you. God, we pray that you will open your word to us. God, that you will give us ears to hear, eyes to see. God, that they would be mingled with faith. That would affect our hearts and our love. God, we put those together by the power of your Holy Spirit and we would walk. And that walking would be in a manner that's worthy of the gospel. God, we pray for our pastor's walk himself. That physically, he would be um, healed and, and have whatever this apparatus is to help his foot. God, it would work. God, it would, would be comfortable for him to be back, to be with us, God. We'd long to see his face as a dear brother. God, we pray for Nick. Pray that you will um, give him the words to say. We pray for his audience as well. God, may your love be mingled in their ears as Nick preaches, and they would connect that to your word and and just know that you're the risen Savior, worthy of all praise. Be glorified. We trust and we love you. want to love you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.